This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Awana. Our kids are in a faith crisis and need your help now. We need your best gift to reach even more kids with the gospel and further child discipleship, both in the U.S. and around the globe. Awana works, even in the face of aggressive secularism, and the time to give is now. Give today at awana.org slash lastingfaith. This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast. We are recording live from the Child Discipleship Forum 2021, uh, sitting at a table that, let's be honest, Sean, is a little too small. Uh, this you, too small. Yeah, you and I uh, just met each other, and a very silly part of my job is that I get to be a fan of someone and then immediately start asking them deep personal questions that, fr- frankly, are none of my business. <laughs> um, Sean, you wrote a book called Let Go and Run Beside that... When I, that's how I got introduced to your work. And what I realized very quickly is you were talking about preteens before it was cool. The, it feels like, and obviously feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but this sort of this conversation around, man, my nine to 12 year olds, I'm not getting them like there. It's a frustrating thing. I don't quite know what happened. I'm not sure how to relate to them. They were great when they were eight. And now what's happened, like those kinds of things are, have risen to the sort of cultural zeitgeist level. Mm-hmm. But you have a longer history here than this current moment. How did God first sort of show you the assignment here of this specific people group? Yeah. Um, so some people are called to China and, <laughs> and I'm called to preteen. It's like, yeah. you know, it is a different culture. It's a different language. It's their, their, their mindset is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, um, I've been called to this age group. And so before I um, went into ministry, I was a school teacher. Okay. I taught um, seven years. Wow. And through the process of... Thank you for your service. uh, (laughs) Well, through the process of like, um, you know, you you do student teaching. Yeah. And because of that and and my involvement as a YMCA camp counselor, uh, I just knew there's something about this older age that uh, I connected with and... Um, I seem to have success in communicating with that age group. So when I became a school teacher, I taught fourth and fifth grade. Nice. Uh, and I did that for seven years. And then I came into ministry um, from there. And I was over birth through fifth grade. Hmm. And we had our first through fifth graders all together in one gym space. Wow. Okay. Uh, and I, I knew that I was better at communicating than the response I was getting. Sure. And it's because... Uh, when I communicated with the fifth graders uh, in a way that, that resonated and that meant something to them, the first graders were lost hmm. and vice versa when we had people sure. who would speak to the first graders. And, you know, I can entertain all ages, sure. you know, I can uh, tell a joke or tell a story mm-hmm. that, uh, but in, in terms of uh, effective discipleship, it became clear to me without having the words and without having the research or the understanding why. But it became clear to me that discipling a first grader and discipling a fifth grader are two completely different things. And to try to accomplish them uh, in, in one space was just really challenging. Yeah. So that's kind of how um, I started exploring what it meant to um, have a preteen ministry, an intentional preteen ministry. And some people are able to do that within a children's ministry. We started doing that. We started intentionally ministering to our preteens within a children's ministries 
um, context. Yeah. Um, and some people have done that for years. Uh, mm-hmm. Eventually, we separated out our preteens from our children. Sure. But um, it's just being intentional. It's, yeah. it's understanding that age group and being intentional. And I realized, number one, I was called to that. Number two, it's really important. Yeah, so that's that's sort of where I want to bring the conversation next because I think people who listen to this podcast are obviously passionate about the future of the faith. They, because otherwise they wouldn't be listening to me talk, right? Right, right. The and the folks who continue to engage in this podcast are the folks who I think sometimes it's from a place of like I don't need coffee because I got talk about child establishment. Like it just energizes them. But then I also think there is a real fear that is out there that there is a sense of is what we're doing working you know so much of when they wrote the book uh resilient when matt and valerie and chris and mike wrote the book resilient it was from this place of recognizing that this sort of uh children's ministry uh older school philosophy wasn't producing uh fruitful discipleship yeah and that urgency i feel like is beginning to spread the this age group in particular requires an even greater sense of urgency. You know, we talk a lot in this world about the four to 14 window, but there, your book goes into this. There is a particular things that begin to happen in the nine to 12 window. And I just had a conversation with Dr. George Barna, who's, you know, informed me that the average person's worldview is set by the age that they're 13. For people who don't necessarily, who heard you talk about, oh, you had a separate ministry, be like, well, I can never do that. I got five kids. I got to be in a gymnasium. Like those, like the people who immediately start putting up roadblocks and no's to this conversation. Can you speak to why we need to get to a place of yes? Yeah. Um, I think you can have a really solid preteen or children's ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet that la- those last year, uh, those last years can be, um, not everything that we're missing the potential. Sure. If we're not intentional about ministering to preteens at the developmental age that they're at, right, right for this teeny tiny little, this tiny little window, uh, there's a piece of the puzzle missing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm sure some some of the people listening to you feel like, yeah, I have a I have a great children's ministries, and I, you know, I just want to pick up on some 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 tips and some techniques, but it's kind of like. Uh, you know how I feel like with we, we, we do a really solid job with our preteens and then we send them to youth and, and then you know <laughs> and depending on who the who the pastor is at yeah. the time it's like all this work for for that right yeah and I just think for children's pastors like you're doing all this great work with your first second and third graders yep but if you don't do something uh, age specific for your fourth and fifth graders even if you only have five of them. You know, if you're not thinking about, okay, where are they developmentally and what's going to minister to them and what's going to disciple them in this current stage, then I think there's a piece of the puzzle, a really important piece of the puzzle missing because, uh, you know, we talk about it in the book. This is the age when they are stepping into uh, taking their first steps of faith ownership. Hmm. Um, and it's not that a first grader doesn't know who Jesus is. They right. they know who Jesus is, but um, they don't have the developmental um, capacity yeah. to question yes. their beliefs like well a fifth grader. Yeah. Uh, they just, they simply developmentally don't have the same um, abilities. Yep. And fourth and fifth graders and sixth graders especially 
are developing these abilities almost on a weekly basis, uh, which yeah. is why one week later you'll be like, wait, you're not, you're a different kid than you were yeah. the last week. Yeah. Um, but you know, they've got these new wings. Uh, hmm. We talk about that in the book. Yep. It's like, if you had new wings, you woke up with wings, what would you want to do? You'd want to try them out. Yeah. And children's ministries is sometimes not real friendly to preteens trying out <laughs> their, their new, new wings. Yeah. Especially when those wings are, uh, you know, a new level of, of sarcasm. <laughs> or, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Which it was for me. Was I that? just heard um, my daughter. She's on a soccer team. She's okay. 14. She told me that this girl that was on her soccer team went to church as a child and her family left because when she was 10 years old, uh, she asked a question and it, it was kind of a snarky, it, it yeah. sounded snarky to the, to the leader, but she was just asking, um, does God, it was something like, does, oh, does God love Hitler? Because the, oh, the teacher okay. was like, yeah. God loves everybody. Yep. And, and they're like, well, does he, lo- does he love Hitler? And got kicked out of the children's ministries oh, uh, in that moment. Just being a preteen, oh, man. Um, just spreading those wings, and yeah, because part of what's going on for them is they're exploring possibilities. Yeah. So they're like a question like that occurs to a fifth grader. It may not occur to a first grader. Yeah. Right. So do we have ministries that allow for that? Do we have ministries that not just allow for it, but capitalize on what's going on in their minds and help direct them towards like saying, "Oh, that's a really good question." Right? Yeah. Like. What do you think about that? What, yeah. What do you think? Do you think God loved Hitler? Yeah. And and turning the question back around. And there's uh-huh. so many techniques that we've uh, stumbled upon and developed in, uh, and, and so that preteen ministry, an intentional preteen ministry, can be uh, a really fruitful uh, part of a children's ministry's um, strategy. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, there's two things that that makes me think of. One, it's, you know, we talk a lot around here about how child discipleship is, you know, from a place of belonging, highly relational, believing, deeply scriptural, and become highly experiential. Right. And I think sometimes there's a mistake that gets made with that last piece, that become piece, where it's sort of this, okay, once they're 18, like once they are legally no longer a child, then they are becoming an adult, right? right? And it misses some of that nuance of at every age, but particularly at an age where they the spreading their wings is going to add so much value to them when you right. are able to turn that around and say, that's a really great question. What do you think? That ha- That is becoming. That is shaping them. And when, when a child gets shut down like that, they feel that and they carry that. Yeah. And when a child feels encouraged by that, when a child feels like seen and heard, they carry that into their future as well. Like the response to a question like that shapes the future of the faith. The thing I want to shift to is kind of bringing the conversation into the current moment that we're in for yeah. this particular age group. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, the book came out in 2020, correct? Right. Yep. Great. You know, like, like we learned, great time to release a book. Great huh? time to release a book. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... I'm going to start sort of pre-pandemic, like sort of more universal truths. But then I want to bring it like quite literally into this exact current moment of what people are facing with this generation today. So for folks who maybe got dragged into child discipleship, let's say, you know, where let's say I was just talking to Nathan Knuckles and he talked about how his wife's dad is a pastor. So when he heard the word discipleship, he's like, oh, I got to like sit in a big chair and say, thus saith the Lord and crack open my Bible. Like where discipleship is this whole new concept to them. 
or for practitioners and leaders who are going, I just was good with kids and now all of a sudden I'm leading this ministry. Mm. What is developmentally, developmentally unique and just relationally needs to be top of mind when you are ministering to this group of nine to 12 year olds? Yeah. So, um, what's interesting is that most of the book was written pre pandemic. Sure. Uh, no, there were some finishing pieces uh, in 2020, you know, things were happening and the book came out, um, I think it was November. Okay. Um, but what was really interesting was that everything that there's 10 essentials yep. in the book of like, you know, things like asking questions and giving power and choice and, uh, or letting go and running beside, which is yeah. this whole idea of when you're teaching somebody to ride a bike, there comes a point where they're ready developmentally. They're ready to start riding that bike on their own, but they have no experience. They're not ready experientially. And so, uh, we need to let go, but we also need to run beside. Yeah. So all these concepts, this was all pre pandemic, you know, all the years that we have, have been working on this. What was really interesting was that everything that we was in that book worked during the pandemic. Oh, sure. We had a really successful preteen ministry during, uh, the, during the pandemic where we, we did the different things. So we were still asking the kids questions. We were still giving them power. They were running our zoom meetings. So they were leading worship. They, they were that. running the slides. We did, we used the breakout feature on zoom, where yeah. you, could, you know, but the, uh, we had kids in each of those breakouts leading activities and the other kids got to choose which breakout they were going to go, were going to go to. And then when they got there, there were kids leading the activities within the game. So this was oh, how we did our awesome. pre-service time. That's awesome. Um, so all the scavenger hunts and all those things, the kids were putting them together and then running them. And we had leaders that were running alongside present with them. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Advent is marked by the hope of a fulfilled promise and yet the waiting of what is to come. It is a time for us to remember all that God has done and faithfully cling to the promise of what he will do. The Promise of a Savior is a free resource designed to equip you, parents, grandparents, and guardians, to lead intentional time and conversation around the promise of our Savior, Jesus Christ. While this resource has been designed as a five-week devotional, each discipleship opportunity is distinct and stands on its own. Visit awana.org to receive this resource and join us today as we celebrate the advent of Jesus Christ, the promised Savior, together. Now, pre-pandemic, one thing, pre, you know, post-pandemic, another, po- I don't know. The height of the pandemic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, neither, exactly. neither you or I are epidemiologists, and that's okay. Yeah. Right. But it's the same boat. Yes. That preteens, the preteens are in the same boat. It's just different waters. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Good. And so navigating these waters and navigating those waters, there's a lot that is still the same because it's the same boat. Yes. And I, I want people to get the book. And if you go to the show notes, wherever you're listening to this, you can get a link directly to the book. You, I feel free to hit pause on this podcast to make sure that you actually pick up the book. Because one of the things that I admire the most about uh, not just the 10 essentials, but the way you laid out the sort of action plan associated with the book. There is no handbook to parenting. There is no handbook to how to deal with these folks. But I think you have done a fantastic job of providing people a place to start. 
And when I think about how this age group, this people group of nine to 12 year olds, these preteens, are such a source of frustration for folks, yeah. it is so critical that we provide a soft place to land. And sincerely, I think your ministry has done a tremendous job at providing that sort of soft place to land to begin to move that frustration back to a place of empathy. The thing that I want to sort of dive into now is like with this current cultural moment, one of the things that stands out to me about nine to 12, every, there's a lot of attention and probably a lot more resources into the sort of middle school years. Like you're talking about the sort of youth discipleship where everybody loves to talk about how terrible their middle school experience was. But we know that developmentally these, the feelings of isolation, the feelings of loneliness that these kids are experiencing has never necessarily been higher. I'm curious how you begin to show the value to a 9 to 12 year old that shows them that they are a part of this broader community. I think that there's a temptation across all ages, but I think specifically in this preteen where we treat them like there's they have a junior level of the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where it's like yeah. that's cute. Holy Spirit Junior. Holy Spirit Junior. Yeah. And apart from that being anti-biblical yeah. um, and <laughs> super not helpful, right. it's not actually the best way for a healthy culture of discipleship to be. Created. Nobody likes to be condescended to. Yeah. Not even not even an eleven-year-old. Yeah. And, right. and I would almost argue, especially an especially eleven. Especially eleven. Because yeah. they pick up right. on that they may not necessarily have the vocabulary for it, but because they don't have the vocabulary for it, it leaves a deeper wound Yeah. in the same way that when you sometimes the person who's listening to this gets really frustrated and doesn't really have the words like that stays with you right. more than some of those surface level hurts. I'm curious how you begin to, in the context of the ministry or even just folks that do this well, provide a community that is diverse in both age and background for these nine to 12 year olds as they are sort of becoming the people that they are going to be. Mm. So you're talking about the, like the leadership team yeah. around, mm -hmm. around that, you know, um, it's, it's an interesting thing. Cause if I look at the leaders that we have and the, the team that we have in place, um, they, they all have a different story of how they've come to be a part of the ministry. Some, they were in the ministry as a preteen, and now they're high schoolers. Nice. Um, and they're they're serving in the ministry, and, or even young adults mm -hmm. at this point. Some, their kids were in our ministry, and uh, they came to an event. They served at an event, and then we, they're, they're like this is great. And they start serving. Then their kids move on and they've stuck with us, you know? Nice. Um, and some are, are new, like the, their kids just moved in. And so they're, they're serving too. But I think having a really strong, um, mission, a really okay. strong purpose statement. Yeah. Uh, it's not person centric. It's not around me. Right. As it's around this, uh, this idea of what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And when you say this is what we're trying to accomplish, because I think because we've said that, because we've said what we're about is helping preteens discover and respond to God's infinite glory. That's it. Yeah. We want to help preteens. Uh, we say it like this to the kids. We say, no God, show God. Nice. And when, because that we say it every Wednesday night, the kids stand up. Why are we here? No we're here God, to know God, God and show God. Amen. Right? They know the purpose. I'm the chief reminding officer. That's, that's my, <laughs> job, my job. And I remind the leaders. I remind the kids. I remind the parents. I remind yeah. the rest of our staff. This is why we exist. We exist to help pre to facilitate preteens discovery of and response to no God show God. Yeah. God's infinite glory. And 
because of that, we've created a culture where that's what we're all about. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of fostering um, the, the individual techniques, yeah. you know, like I've given a copy of the book to people, but a lot of it's just modeled. Mm. Um, they'll see the way that we teach. They'll see, they'll see it in large group. Um, they'll see it in the way other leaders are leading their small groups. So maybe they, they, they sit in on it or just conversations, our, tra- our leader trainings. Um, but it's a culture yeah. and that takes time. Culture takes time to develop, but um, we've been able to develop a culture where that's what's valued is helping preteens to take their first steps of, of uh, faith ownership. Yeah. Uh, and it's fun. It's like really exciting. And, and yeah. the team gets excited when when a kid asks a really great question, mm-hmm. um, like it, that example I gave of, you know, does God love Hitler? Like that would be something we'd celebrate. Yeah. Like a, a leader that's would a, say, a, a, this kid asked, you know, would God love Hitler? And we'd be like, wow, that's, that's a great question. You know? Yeah. Um, but what I think is so critical, you talk about how culture takes time, but also talking about, I don't say the destination, but the idea that your team would celebrate that question reflects the value of a child's individual discipleship that you and your team have been able to create. Right. That you, because not only are you celebrating the question exists, but I'm sure you're celebrating because you knew the time in that child's life where they wouldn't have been able to conceptualize that question. Right. That's right. And you're able to see like, oh, they're, they're, they're starting to pick it up. They're becoming like, the full-fledged brother and sister in Christ at the age of 11, like that is so encouraging. And I think we, especially as parents, can often feel intimidated by our kids' questions. Uh, Yeah. In the book, I talk about my fourth grade son. Yes. Uh, On the first day of fourth grade, (laughs) I'm getting onto the freeway and he says from the back seat, uh, what if God isn't real, Dad? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes, it's an awesome like, story. This is not the right uh-huh. moment. I'm getting on the freeway to yeah. merge onto Highway 65, but in that uh, in that moment, there was part of me that was celebrating. Yeah. And later on, I was really able to celebrate because now he's asking the question. He's able to ask the question, whereas before, you know, I could have posed the question or, you know, forced him, you know, whatever. But it came from his own developmental thinking like, huh, this is a possibility. Yeah. Um, and so that's a, that's a reason to celebrate a hundred percent. Cause if a kid can't ask that question, if a kid's not asking that question yet, then they're not at the place where the faith is theirs. Yes. They're just, uh, they're repeating what you said, what, who you say Jesus is. That's what I'll say. Jesus is. Yes. Um, and yeah. practically like to even, to even bring it a step lower than that. The fact that a kid can ask that question, yeah, you don't have to know the answer to that question. That's right. The fact that the kid, that is reason enough to celebrate. And there is such a power, and I think it probably happens a lot in preteens, in an adult saying, I don't know, but let's go find out together, right? Or the ability to admit that, yeah, I'm still working on, you know, that complex issue that you oh, raised. I'm too. so glad you said that. I, I read a book about preteen ministry. Okay. And it said that what we need to do is provide simple answers to complex questions. Oh, no. And I couldn't have disagreed more with that. Sure. There's a lot of great things in the book, but that was something I'm like, I don't think so. I think what we need to do is create a space where complex questions can be asked and where we can help the preteens to explore those questions and find answers for themselves. Yeah. Uh, because what happens when you ask a complex question? You find an answer, right? But mm-hmm. it also leads to three more questions. One hundred percent. So if all I'm doing is giving you answers, I'm not. I'm, it's give man a fish. Yes. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. Well, and it and it also is a it is inherently more relational. 
and I would argue right. inherently more biblical on what discipleship actually looks like to be able to walk people through that right rather yeah. than declaring the answer and I think for that's what Jesus did yeah right like Jesus didn't declare the answer people ask him questions and he'd be like well, what do you think? Or, you yeah. <laughs> the, one of the first books I read after, you know, uh, giving my life to the Lord was a book that was just all the questions Jesus asked. And it was this, I, this very simple reflection of this is literally God. This is literally a, a person who has all the answers. And so much of what his ministry was about was answering, was asking questions to a group yep. that is not dissimilar to the preteens that are probably That's in right. the ministry of the church <laughs> that you're, who are coming up with questions or saying things where you're like, I can't believe that where this is still where we are and everything in between. The place that I want to uh, begin to land the plane is there are folks who are listening who are going, okay, yeah, I get it. I got to do something different because that 10 year old, that kid, right? That kid is disrupting my ministry. Right. Or that kid, uh, like you were saying earlier, like what happened to you? You were a different kid last week. How much work has to be done in creating space for empathy in all that developmentally is happening in that child? Because a bit about my story is I, I grew up in a, in a I went to college and gave my life to the Lord, but I was in a theater school. And one of the reasons why I was so excited to talk to you is because person after person after person that I was great friends with, was in school with, talked about the reason that they didn't have a relationship with the Lord was because of something that happened in their preteen years. Uh They got a Sunday school question to, or they got a Sunday school answer to a non-Sunday school question, as Amy Stanley would say. The thing that I felt like was missing from their stories was the empathy required to know where that question is really coming from right? and to take the time to meet pe- those kids where they're at. Yeah. How can folks who feel like they are already so burdened prioritize that work, prioritize that, you know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to that 11 year old's practice. The snack cabinet will get filled. I don't need to spend my time figuring out what veggie straws are. Okay. Yeah. Here, here's the thing. When you invest in the preteens, they'll lift your load. They'll fix, they'll fix the snack cabinet. <laughs> it's true. Like, yeah. they'll become partners in ministry with you. Yeah. Some of your best. They'll show up early and set up the room. They'll stay late and clean things up. Um, and it's not like we're turning them into, you know, our person, <laughs> but, but yeah. it's, it's ministry to them to have something to do. Yes. Um, I don't know why I'm forgetting right now the, the developmental psychologist who says that at this age, 9 to 12, the key question is uh, industry versus inferiority. Like that's, oh, wow. that's the key question for them. Am I, what am I able to do? Sure. And so when we can invest in them and help them to see that they can do great things for the Lord, they actually, it, it, like I, I was talking about Zoom, I didn't have to come up with all the games. They were coming up with the games. That's really cool. Um, so if you're if you're feeling weighed down, start a leadership team with your preteens. Um, and we actually just came out with something. Uh, four, five, six came out with. Um, it's called uh, Team Ion. Okay. And it's a discipleship program for your preteens. That's awesome. And it's got like. Um, Bible studies to do with them and then also skill training stuff to do with them and helping unleash them and also challenges for them. Like they put together a game that they're going to lead within your ministry. 
um, but they figure it out themselves how to how, what the game's going to be and, uh, and the supplies they need and all that. Right. Um, and so I, I'd say that to the, to the person who's feeling overwhelmed and like, oh, here's another here's another thing. No, this is this is this is a thing that will just bring life to areas oh, of your ministry that, that, are, that you're struggling with personally. Yeah. So I want to make sure people know that uh, the book is Let Go and Run Beside, but where else can people learn more about your ministry and, you know, uh, sit at your feet as a guy who, like I said at the beginning of this, was invested in preteens before it was cool? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's 456.org, and that's all spelled out, F-O-U-R-F-I-V-E-S-I-X. I didn't need to spell that for you. Sorry. No, it's okay. That's all right. Some people are driving. Some people are like, wait, is it four or five? Wait, minutes? how yeah. do you spell six? Dot <laughs> <laughs> org. Um, and all the resources are there. You yeah. can get the book there. You can um, see the team ion. We, we have a three-year curriculum, scope and sequence. Nice. Um, and just a ton of resources, camps and just everything. But everything on there is this philosophy of letting go and running beside and helping your preteens to take ownership of their faith, uh, their faith development. The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith, young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash lasting faith today. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Oh,